Hello there, Living Force podcast listeners. Santa here, and when I'm out delivering toys to all the good little Padawans, I enjoy listening to my free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And you can get a free book from Audible, too. Just go to utini.com slash audible and click free trial. Then you can take your pick from all the Star Wars selections Audible has to offer. And if you're on the nice list, you might find a shiny new lightsaber under the tree this year. Except for you, Randy. Not after what happened last year. Merry Christmas! This is John Jackson Miller, author of Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, Knight Errant, Lost Tribe of the Sith, A New Dawn, Canto Bite, and Kenobi, and you're listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. If you only knew the power of the dark side. A Utini production. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Episode 86, Post-Election Politics with Stephen Kent. Indeed you are powerful, as the Emperor has foreseen. On this episode, save money on new Utini merch with a code that Eric did not just totally make up on the spot. Uh, everything's under control, situation normal. New book updates. Everything is fine and fully operational. And the Utini team welcomes back Beltway Bantha's host, Stephen Kent. Okie religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Wes Jenkins. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Living Force. I am your host, Eric Eilerson, with a hot mic. And with me tonight are some of my loveliest friends. First off, we have Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, buddy. What is happening, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing well. It's so good to see you. Uh, yeah. Missed you last night. You know, I just I know. Uh, played... I just worked and played Assassin's Creed. It was fine. Oh, man. What a what a hard night. <laughs> I know. But you know what? It wasn't as hard as the night of Wes Jenkins. What's up, Daddy? What's up? I'm probably referring to my Jedi Fallen Order stream where I played a, probably a single level. Uh, it's uh, not uncommon to my viewers, but I played it for a good <laughs> 30, 30, 30 minutes to an hour. But I uh, And when I finished... The level, I was like, it was, that was incredibly easy. Why didn't I do that the first time kind of thing? But whatever, it was you fun. Have, I'm glad everybody watched. You have an aesthetic, man. Let it, let it always be said, Wes Jenkins is a man of consistency. Uh, and we do not have the lovely and talented Dr. Charles Hankel tonight. He is in the chat, though. I hope you're having a good call, buddy. We miss you. We do, however, have a returning guest. Uh, we don't have that many returning guests. I don't know what that says about us. But Mr. Stephen Kent from Beltway Panthers has returned. What's up? Good evening. That's uh, Dr. Stephen Kent. Dr. <laughs> Stephen Kent, right. We're replacing the Dr. Charles Hankel with the Dr. Corey Helton. Wes and I are mere plebeians. Um, but we, we've been talking to Stephen. Honestly, ever since we stopped going live on the first show you were in, we immediately started saying, cool, so you're coming back at some point. Um, and then we got in contact like right after the election, and we're like, hey, hey might be some politics to talk about. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> the, the Republic lives on to, uh, to fight and crumble another day. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Already gold. Um, so before we get into some intro stuff today, uh, I want to ask you, Stephen, um, you recently relaunched Beltway Bantas in a way. Uh, how'd that go? Tell everyone how it went. 
Well, it certainly went well. Everything works very well when you actually have a production team around you helping with your podcast, <laughs> as you as you very well know. Um, yeah, so we relaunched here just uh, just about three months ago, doing new episodes that are sort of like narrative monologue style episodes that are kind of like in the vein of talk radio, where we're also weaving in sort of NPR type editing to speak to guest experts on given issues and get them to weigh in on the clash uh, between Star Wars and politics. And I am honestly in love with it. It's just like a really <laughs> good product. You know, I've, I've been podcasting for three years, but it wasn't until just this past month that I like listened to the show and I was like, this was really good. <laughs> Isn't that a crazy good feeling? I hope to get that feeling someday as well. I've heard it's cool um, when you're not doing nonsense like us. But but in all seriousness, congrats, man. It is it is yeah. a great product. Um, I'm I'm sure so many of our listeners from last episode already went and subscribed. If you haven't, pause this show right now. If you're live, you made your decision. Stay here. Do it later. But if you're listening, uh, go subscribe to Beltway Banthas on all your podcast apps right now. And you'll get a little preview of Steven's insights a little bit later in the show. Next, though, uh, we want to hit Patreon real quick. We don't have any new patrons this week. And I think that's because Corey has not set his iJedi date yet. So here live on the show, Corey, this isn't in the outline. <laughs> Just when are you spot, doing man. the iJedi reading? <laughs> uh, within, what's the timeline? Within uh, how, how many weeks? I mean, the next, you know. 52 weeks is probably an accurate <laughs> assessment. Uh, I, have to, I have to check my schedule. I got to get through this ICU month. I'm in the ICU right now That's treating fair. a whole bunch of COVID. It's pretty stressful. So as soon as I can get through all this, I'll probably set uh, set a date. Tentatively, let's say either the weekend of the 12th, uh, the 19th, or the 26th of December. One of those three weekends, I'll probably do it. Um, we'll have a big... Uh, big hangout watch party and we'll try to schedule a time where most of the patrons can come hang out with us. So, uh, one of the weekends in December, let's plan for that. Beautiful. So if you're on Patreon, keep an eye out. Uh, Timothy, our amazing Patreon manager, will be sending out emails one to ask what kind of passages you're going to want Corey to read, uh, two, when you're available for him to do it. And three, uh, probably what kind of shots he's going to have to take to get through the whole thing. Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) on our Patreon, we do what I uh, do what we do every week. And highlight a patron of the week. So, Corey, please take that away. Yes, absolutely. So if you guys haven't seen this already, our Patreon is jam-packed with a ton of extra content. We have behind-the-scenes looks. We have uh, exclusive merch, exclusive discounts, a ton of extra shows. Good Lord, we have like five, sometimes six, seven extra podcasts a week. That's more than just uh, Charles, Eric, Wes, and I. Um, so if you haven't seen that already, head over to patreon.com slash Houtini. But every single week on the show, we like to highlight a uh, wonderful member of our community uh, with the patron of the week. And this week, it is Camilla Valenzuela. So uh, Wes, why don't you throw up our patron of the week? Hey, Houtini family. Thank you so much for featuring me. Um, I got a couple of questions from you guys, so I will just jump in. So my name is Camila, and I was born in Chile, but I moved to France a couple of years ago. And I got into Star Wars because even though I was born a couple of years after Return of the Jedi came out, I was introduced to the original trilogy when I was quite young, I was three to four years old, by my stepmom, who is a huge Star Wars fan. And I have been obsessed absolutely ever since. In terms of books, I think I found that the book existed (laughs) when I was a teen. 
uh, and being an avid reader since a very young age, I felt both excited and absolutely overwhelmed with the amount of material, but it was, uh, they were also, also very hard to find back in Chile. Um, my favorite Star Wars film, uh, absolutely hands down, uh, The Last Jedi, um, because I love a film that has many, many layers, uh, and I love that every time I watch it, I keep finding uh, more and more details that I love. Uh, and since I cannot choose just one, I will also add A New Hope, because uh, nothing compares to the magic of the movie that started everything. Um, my favorite Star Wars novel, oh, there are so many for many reasons. Uh, in terms of, let's say, writing style, I enjoy uh, novels that are quite detailed, so I really enjoyed Alphabet Squadron, uh, and especially Shadow Hole, and the Aftermath trilogy. Uh, in terms of connectivity with other media, which is something that I also really enjoy. Um, I will say Resistance Reborn, Master and Apprentice, Bloodline. <laughs> I don't have really specific reasons why I love each one of them, but with art, I think there are some pieces that resonate with me and I just go with it. Um, what made you decide to join Utini? So I found Utini through the Living For podcast um, because I've been listening to podcasts and Star Wars podcasts for years and years. Um, but no one really discussed uh, the expanded universe in detail. And I just absolutely love when stories connect through different media. Um, so I, I've been listening since almost almost the beginning. Um, I've been enjoying so much uh, the new canon and thanks to you guys I've also been venturing a little bit more into Legends. I joined the Patreon and the Discord not long after that I think um, and I just love the community that you guys have created here so it's been uh, very nice um, and um, I could not be prouder of being a, a small part of it. Um, in the future of Utini content, ah, um, so I can only think of more collaborations with other podcasts. Uh, the last ones that you have done have been pure gold, so I just love them. Um, and in terms of Star Wars, whatever they want to surprise us with, <laughs> really, I've been enjoying so much, um, especially the series. Um, social media or gaming handles, you can find me on Twitter as camo underscore Valenzuela, where I talk about science, <laughs> I am a scientist, uh, and Star Wars. No gaming handles, I, uh, I am absolutely useless at it, uh, I only play The Sims, um, but I enjoy watching other people play. And question for you guys, um, if you will get the opportunity to speak with one Star Wars creative, who would you choose and what would you like to discuss slash listen about? Thanks, guys. Oh, man. Uh, well, first of all, what a great segment. Uh, you, you have been with us since the beginning. I mean, it, it's hard to remember a time when there was Living Force and there wasn't Camila. Uh, so thank you for that. Okay. Question. If we could speak to any Star Wars creative, any of them, that's, that's crazy. Because, I mean, you think Lucas. Right, I mean, I feel mm. like 
I, I think I that's what. Ex- yeah. I went to authors. I didn't go you to. Know? I didn't go to big picture stuff. So yeah, Lucas, that would be interesting. <laughs> Lucas would be great, obviously. Um, uh, but I, but I think as of right now, where I am in my current Star Wars journey, I think Filoni. I think if I could just sit mm. in a room with Filoni, it, because I think he truly is the bridge from the Lucas stuff. He goes through all the EU stuff and then is literally driving the boat right now with yeah. so many of the yeah. series. Like, I think I'm going to sit. I want to get my own cowboy hat. I want to sit right <laughs> next to him and just listen to him talk, tell me about Mandalorian culture. Um, I don't know. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I 100% agree question. with you. It's got to be Dave Filoni. He's such an uber nerd about Star Wars, and I love that. So, we, I mean, all you just pry his brain on why he does the things he did. He's like, he's the next generation, right? So there's Lucas, mm-hmm. and then now there's Filoni, and then there's probably some nine or ten year old out there that's going to take over from Filoni, and he's going to even take Star Wars to another era, if you will. Absolutely. Uh, looking at the chat real quick, Trevor Davy, our buddy, says, "Does Pablo count?" Absolutely, yes. Pablo Hidalgo counts. That would yes. be. Ooh, speak speak of the devil a little later on. These books that I have next to me would say he counts quite a bit. Yeah, uh, Stephen Corey, what do you guys think? Pablo, uh, he was he was top of my list just because of some of the informational books that he's worked on, mm-hmm. and uh, Star Wars propaganda made me um, forever endeared to Pablo. So he's he's the one. That's fantastic. <laughs> Love that. I, I really enjoy the I really enjoy talking to like the older authors about like what it was like to be here on the wild west of star Wars expanded universe. Like when we had John Jackson Miller on the show, that was like one of the best conversations. I think we asked him a total of like five questions because he just had so many unbelievable stories about what it was like to work in this era. So back when you could be like, Hey, I think Luke uh, might cut his foot off on this planet. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's great. That sounds, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's kill off some main characters. Let's do it. Yeah. So I don't know. Somebody like Timothy Zahn. We've been talking about getting him on the show. Maybe at some point in the in the lifetime of our career, our podcasting career. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a lot of fun. I would love to talk to Zahn. Yeah. Uh, look at the chat again. Spice Den throws out a Charles Soul, Kevin Scott. Um, oh, yeah. One of which we have talked to Kevin, one of the nicest men in the history of the world. Charles Soul does. Very rare interviews, also seems really great, uh, but he says he's really interested in what caused the High Republic writer's room to make the decisions they did. Couldn't agree with you more, and believe me, everyone watching, everyone listening, um, the emails that will be going out to the people that we, we know behind the High Republic will be trying to get as many folks on here as we can, because once those things are out in the world, oh my god, do we want to talk to yeah. the authors about them. We- so we're, I'm, we're waiting until they're released, because you don't need another podcast of listening to... Daniel Jose Older be like, well, I can't say anything about that. That's right. Um, <laughs> but they're coming. We, we do have all those in the works. We've been talking to their editors for months. So, like, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Yeah, they can't wait either. Uh, all right. Now I actually want to uh, go to our new segment, our second time doing this new segment, the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. So for our video editors, it starts right here. This week... I want to do a little mini book review like we did last week. We talked about the Galaxy's Edge version of Star's, Star Wars Myths and Fables by George Mann. This week, we're going to look at the Star Wars book by Pablo Hidalgo, aforementioned, uh, from DK. And if you are a fan of the reference books like the Ultimate Star Wars Guide uh, next to me, things like that that just have a little bit of everything, this is 100% the book for you. Um, what I love the most about this book, uh, let me show you some pages here was that it really felt like 
the first time that every media in Star Wars is on the same level. This stuff introduces content from the movies, from the TV shows, from the comics, and it all works together. Um, like, when you're talking about the Sith, it tells you about Vader. It also tells you about Momin from Charles Soule's Darth Vader comics. It talks about Morai from Rebels. It tells you about Ahsoka. It tells you about Bane from Clone Wars. Like, it really incorporates every single kind of Star Wars media in a way that I really haven't seen a ton before. Um, this guide next to me that I brought out for this reason, the Ultimate Star Wars Guide, also from DK, does it in a much more expansive version. Like, as you can tell if you're on the video here, these pages are like they're full, but they're but they're not overwhelming. There's not an overwhelming amount of info on here. Like even the Night Sisters page here, it's a two-page spread, and then they move on. Um, see, you got some Jedi Fallen Order stuff as well as some Clone Wars stuff, all on the same level. Whereas the Ultimate Star Wars Guide New Edition is going to have much more in-depth details with exact dates and exact specifications of ships and all these things. But I just want to say, if you want to pick this guy up, I highly recommend it because it's a great one just to pull out if you're like, oh, what what year was Lando born again? Oh, right. Oh, oh wait, what was that one ship called? Like, it's really got all these great kind of facts from your comics, from your books, from your movies, um, for every kind of nerd that loves that stuff like us. If you don't want to go to Wikipedia and you actually want to look it up. Um, Steven, I want to put you on the spot for a second because I know you have this book on you right now. Um, what did you think of it? Do you agree that it's kind of a, a smaller version of the book next to me, or do you think it has some um, other unique properties? What do you think about this one? Hmm. Well, no, yes, I'm just coming back from reading this fantastic book. You know, it's it's such a journey because, like, there there are not many guides, like you mentioned, that incorporate all of the different elements of creative in Star Wars. Where, like, this page I'm on on for Kylo Ren. You've got not just images and references from the movies, but you've also got comic book imagery here. And this is mm -hmm. information and telling of parts of the story that you only get in the comic books. And I don't know if, if your listeners are like this, but I don't keep up with everything in Star Wars. There's just too much. Right. Um, so you've got to have something that condenses all of it. And I've never seen a book do it in as attractive and succinct a fashion as the Star Wars book. Hmm. Um, so I, I'm just loving it. And they've got like an entire quarter of the book dedicated to the galaxy's political factions. So, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in love. Yeah, this it's it's seriously a a great great book, and we'll be talking about those political factions later on in the show. So if you actually are watching live right now, you have this book. Go ahead and grab it real quick because I'm sure we'll be referencing pages of it later on in the show. Uh, but if you do have this book or do you want to go pick it up, head over to utini.com. We got a page for it. I believe there should be pages for all the reference books. And if not, head over to Amazon, pick it up, um, and you'll love it. Thanksgiving break, take an hour, sit down in your turkey coma and read some Star Wars facts. Uh, some other things that happened this week in Star Wars, and as my books fall embarrassingly, there was an announcement that made, I know, at least Jared and Trevor on our team very happy. Guys, you hear about this? Star Wars Insider Fiction Collection Volume 1 is coming from Titan Comics, which if you don't know, is the first ever comprehensive physical binding of the short stories from Star Wars Insider. Did you hear about this? Yes, this is uh this is like this is one of the one of the times I've certainly eaten my words when it comes uh, to Trevor and the database <laughs> team. I don't think we've talked about this Trevor, but like 
I was like certain this would never be published. Something like this. Like this is like yeah. this is the type of obscure stuff that Trevor is a genius about. You know, they have a show coming up that we're going to release on Patreon pretty soon, and uh, uh, this is the stuff that he's obsessed with. It's all these tiny little details that were published one time in Star Wars Insider in 1998. Like no one else has read. Like it's incredible. I'm excited about this. I can't wait to read all these. <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's really going to be cool. And for someone like me. Um, that didn't really start in reading Star Wars when Insider was really putting out all these Legends b- stories. It's great to have them all in one spot because you can try to track them down. There is an, there is a fun pursuit for that, you know what I mean? Uh, but to have them all in one spot is really great. And in, on our new releases page over at utini.com, it is up there. You can pre-order uh, to quote the synopsis. It has stories from Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Darth Vader, Darth Plagueis, Hondo Anaka, Captain Rex, Darth Revan, and more. Uh, and if you're on Discord, head over to the EU Legends Books tab, where Trevor did a lot of research and put up some theories about what stories might be included. So, awesome. Cannot wait for that. Additionally, this week we got some surprises from Del Rey. They put out a ton of audio podcasts with their From a Certain Point of View authors. We were talking earlier about trying to interview some authors later on this year. But all the editors at El Rey sat down and did like 10 to 20 minute talks with every single writer from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back, about their stories, about their creative process. So head over to any podcast app. Just search for From a Certain Point of View. It'll come up. There's going to be 40 individual episodes. Um, So congratulations, especially to our good friend Tom uh, from our Discord server who conducted a bunch of those interviews and... I've, I've done a couple of them. They're super fun, and it's really cool to hear these new writers geek out about this new thing they've gotten to create. Very, very awesome. Additionally, our friends at Tell Right, they made a crazy week of this week in Star Wars, guys, in this Star Wars Weekly Roundup. The first eight chapters of Light of the Jedi got released. Did you see this? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Officially. That's, that's significant. <laughs> eight chapters is a lot. Like... <laughs> yeah. Delray was like, okay, for free, we will release the first eight full chapters of Charles Soule's Light of the Jedi, the first High Republic novel. Um, they've all been released for free online. Go to the Delray, um, Delray Star Wars Twitter account is where I found the link. It's all over the place. Um, and it just gives you essentially a big prologue of the book. I will admit, I read the first three chapters and then I stopped because I was like, I lo- one, I love this and I, I'm going to reread it when I get it anyway. So I'm saving a bit of it. But if, if you're not sold on the higher public for some reason, I'm not sure why you're watching this show, but welcome. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, this is a great way, I think, to get maybe some good friends in, to get some people that maybe aren't sure if they want to buy it yet. You get eight chapters of Charles Soule writing for free, if nothing else. So definitely, definitely go check that out. And finally today, I don't know if y'all have watched it yet, it's Life Day. The Lego Star Wars Holiday Special got released today. And it is. Uh, did you guys watch this yet? Any of you? I have not, not yet. Not yet. Steven, yes. Yeah, I watched the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. It, I watched it this morning in it, in its entirety. Oh, it is silly. It is fun. It is meta. It it pokes fun at itself, and it is just a great little blessing to end twenty twenty. So. I want to tell all of you in the chat right now, happy Life Day. I hope that you're all giving your grandparents weird Wookiee sex VRs and watching Lego movies. Um, I'm not going to tell you whether that reappears in the new one. But, uh, but go and check that out. If you forgot it was coming. Yeah. 
<laughs> Who yes. knows? Uh, but if you forgot that it was coming out on Disney Plus, it's there right now. So, uh, uh, oh, Trevor wanted me to mention how wholesome it is, and it is. It is an incredibly wholesome piece of media that just it, it celebrates the love of Star Wars, of all Star Wars eras, of all Star Wars humor. Um, really fun. Forty-two minutes. Check it out. And of course, if you're looking to purchase some books uh, like Light of the Jedi or any of the ones we've talked about thus far in the Star Wars Weekly Roundup, head over to utini.com and grab the High Republic novels in January. Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, January 5th. A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland, January 5th. Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, February 2nd. And the Star Wars Insider Fiction Collection, Volume 1. March 23rd, and hey, if you want to buy five copies so the numbers go up so Trevor and Jared can keep getting Legends content, I'm sure they would appreciate it. Thank you so much to Frank and our team for keeping that uh, release schedule updated. Oh, all right. Corey, uh, can you remind people, we had some new merch last week. We're going to run an ad here in a second, but tell them about the promo code they can use through the end of this month. Uh, the promo code, it is uh, somewhere in the outline that I don't see. <laughs> it's right above the wound up. It's right above it. <laughs> yeah, still don't see it, Eric. <laughs> all right. All right. I put him on the spot. That's my fault. It's POV15. You get okay, 15% right. off. Now I see it. All the new merch. All right. Can we get back to politics? Yo. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so we said that earlier we were going to talk about the Beltway Panthers relaunch a little bit let's get, dive into that fully yes that was a Hamilton reference for all my Hamill fans <laughs> Steven you briefly talked about your new format at Beltway Panthers and you talked about you got some cool future plans coming up let's give that full reign it's all you sir uh, go into depth a little bit with where Beltway Panthers is going to go, what series you got coming up, and a project you want to talk about. Yeah, so the the first thing is that our, our most recent episode was for the, I guess, the month of October. Um, and what we did was an exploration of everybody's anxieties heading up to the election. And I don't we, know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope. no, nobody nobody was, uh, was nervous <laughs> at all. Um, but, you know, we did this episode on about how you shouldn't have to be nervous. Like you shouldn't live in a country where every four years your future feels like it is under threat and and your livelihoods, your sense of self, your identity uh, is in peril based on who wins an election. And we took this episode and did an exploration of the Tarkin Doctrine and this whole idea of how Tarkin envisioned the empire ruling and it was through fear and the death star emerged as sort of like the project to tie the galaxy together and keep everything in order um, once the empire came uh, to fruition and so we do this really i think neat exploration of, of why that is not something that you want to have happen in your own world and <laughs> we've allowed it to. We very yeah. much have allowed our politics to become like this Death Star-sized threat uh, in our lives. And uh, I think you will enjoy it. Now we are past the election. We've got some great reflections on it. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a space and it always has been where people can be themselves um, share their anxieties, talk about politics, and it's just, you know, it's not a place to do battle. It's just a place to listen. So um, not every podcast is good for that, but uh, we try we try to carve out that space. <laughs> no, and, that, and that's brilliant because you, you nailed it. When it's in, in a weird way, it's kind of how we want to view Star Wars discourse, right? Like we feel like 
politics and Star Wars, uh, I got to say, personally, for the last year, my Twitter feed has been those two things. And you combine the anxiety of both those things and, oh, my goodness, uh, they both should be things that are constructive and that are made out of, you know, passionate people that know how to create and, and, and run things smoothly. And hopefully, um, you know, we try to bring the Star Wars here on this show with the love and the perspective and, and Beltway Banthas, if, if you have been listening, folks, it is, it is exactly what you're talking about, Stephen. It is that place of being able to voice thoughts and being able to craft things in an interesting way without feeling like <gasps> every time, which is, uh, which is great. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. And I, and I appreciate your, your willingness to, to do that and to bring this format that is more narrative and really interesting and clearly well-researched. And before we talk a little bit about some specific um, Star Wars ideals that may, I don't know, I'm trying to think about a phrase that pertain to the modern political climate in the next few months, uh, looking ahead, I'm going to ask you about 2021 for your show. Um, about uh, You say you have a series coming out, and it's going to be tied to a very specific thing that I want to give you a chance to plug now, and of course at the end of the show as well. Yeah, so I think last time I was on, I might have mentioned that I was working on this idea for a book. And I have big news, which is that the book has been sold and uh, I'm, yes! going to be, I'm going to be uh, in 2021, uh, the author of How the Force Can Fix the World. And this is going to be coming from Hachette Publishing. And it's going to be a, a look at the core principles of Star Wars throughout all of the movies uh, and, and the television series as well. Um, that if we applied them to our personal lives and to our political frameworks in which we sort of think about our own politics, uh, we would not only uh, be happier, uh, more sane people, but we would also get along better with our neighbors and have a more sane political discourse. Um, so this book is going to be looking at stories of redemption, humility, empathy, uh, hope, uh, aspiration, all sorts of things in Star Wars that stand out that make Star Wars a a, a, a uplifting piece of, of fiction. And that if you actually look at it as a way to live, it can make everything in your life better. So really excited uh, to get the opportunity to write this book. The problem is that now I have to write a book. I, I, I thought... <laughs> I thought, oh, that old thing. <laughs> I thought about this big idea, which was, what if I turned Beltway Banthas into a book and then someone took it? <laughs> so now I'm just like, I got to take the money and run. So yeah. I'm oh my gonna, God. I'm going to flee to Bermuda. But uh, yeah, so this is, uh, is going to be uh, a Christmas book for next year. Um, so do look out for it. And you can keep up with it by subscribing to my Substack. It's Politicize Me dot substack.com uh, and that's where i'll be talking both about the politics of star wars and uh, and this book and we're going to be doing a 12 episode series one per month next year that looks at the themes that each chapter is going to be oh, addressing yeah. and then finish up mm -hmm. right around the time that the book comes out and then you can read about all those those ideas more in depth that's fantastic man congratulations that's, that's got to be a huge oh. accomplishment that's fantastic Big things. Yeah, and uh, and 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 when that book comes out, everyone listening, um, we will. I mean, I'm telling you right now, we're gonna have you on again at least once next year to talk about the book and things you're doing. Uh, but we will be uh putting up links to when you can pre-order the book because uh, when hypothetically Stephen writes it and doesn't go away to an island, uh, we will be putting up pre-order links and keep you all abreast. I I can't freaking wait, man. 
Uh, yeah. Congratulations. That's so cool. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you for giving me uh, an opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Here, I'm going to say congratulations. <laughs> I'll crack a drink in your honor. Uh, because now I want to talk about some things in the modern political climate that have to do with Star Wars, as we did last time Stephen was here. Uh, Eric definitely doesn't have any you... opinions about this. I, I don't even know why we're talking about oh, this yeah. show. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I do have a sticker of President-elect Biden on my laptop, uh, which is his full name. Thank you all. Uh, is it actually do... a sticker of Biden himself, or does it say Biden-Harris? <laughs> it does say Biden-Harris, and it's next to my sticker of Bail Organa, and I feel like it's a great pairing. <laughs> uh, but before, before we get into specifics, I do want to take a moment for the audience to say, uh, for everyone that voted uh thank you thank you for for participating in the democratic process like we didn't we don't usually get hugely political on this show but uh, this is this is a great election it's the biggest voter turnout in history um and for everyone listening that took their time to go to the polls uh, or mail in their absentee well done this was awesome yeah uh it's very important yeah i have to say it was uh it was incredible to sort of watch this entire thing unfold like um, because this year is super unique in that it's delayed. So things like take a lot of time to kind of come together. And like you said, we had the biggest voter turnout like ever, which is a, a kind of a big mm -hmm. deal. I mean, that's really cool. I think like yeah. regardless of what your political opinions it's, are, it's really good that we find, let it get to crisis levels in this country for people yeah. to go out and yeah. vote. <laughs> it was really like the Thanos, like, fine, I'll do it myself. The ship is on the... fire. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's really, it was really cool to kind of see everything happen in slow motion. There's a lot of discussion about how the electoral college works and like how mm -hmm. like it was like a one giant civics lesson just over the course of like a week there so it was a yeah interesting interesting little time period there stressful yeah. but and, you know yeah and and now we're in an, an equally not equally we're in an additionally stressful time because um for all my american listeners out there and for those of the world who know what's going on over here it's a little sticky um <laughs> because uh the current president is still uh, refusing to concede the election, acknowledge results, things like that, which puts us in a, a unique situation as far as my lifetime goes politically. And, Stephen, I'm, I'm super interested for your thoughts, obviously, in this for political history, because I thought we would compare the current issues with the changing of regime, of, of political leaders, to Star Wars. Because in the Star Wars universe, we have seen the Galactic Republic become the Galactic Empire. The Empire become the New Republic. The New Republic go to the Resistance First Order. Political leaders have changed sometimes with elections, like Amidala, sometimes a little forcefully, like Palpatine being thrown down a reactor shaft. So, <laughs> I, I think there's, there's, there's weirdly a lot of models for the transfer of power in the Star Wars universe. So, Stephen, when you look at what's going on right now... <laughs> Models. There are yeah, ways to do it and, and ways to not. Um, what's, what strikes you, I guess, about this current um, power transition issue that we're having? And also, yeah. like, are there some Star Wars parallels we can kind of latch on to at this point in history? Well, obviously, there, there, are, there are similarities, and then there are just ways in which nothing is alike. I mean, I'll go, right. I'll go in with, like the area where there's really no semblance at all, which is, 
you know, Americans by and large are very privileged and lucky to live in a country where they don't experience things like regime change. Like that's just not a thing that happens here. We have administration changes uh, and, and people who move in and out of Washington, D.C., but there is not armed conflict, uh, at least in our lifetimes. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, that is something that people who live in the Middle East, uh, Northern Africa, South America, it's a regular occurrence. It is, it is a part of life in those parts of the world. Um, and so it is something that I think when you look at Star Wars, Star Wars is political chaos, unhinged, generation over generation. You have a couple of different spots of of continuity, uh, the first one being the Republic, which is a thousand years of peace, prosperity, and eventual stagnation, followed by uh, a transition into empire, which, I mean, I guess you could say it's like a through line, right? It's, it's one leader carrying over into the next. They changed their military uniforms. But it, mm. there, was, there were dead Jedi all over the floor. Like there was a, a actual like, <laughs> violent action to seize power and, and enact the empire. And you've got like, I, I think 24 years, no, 32, right? 32 years of empire. Am I right on that that timeline? I, I was going to say 30, yeah. I think so, it's 32. Yeah, cause yeah it's like closer, closer sure. to 30, 32 years. It's in the Star Wars book. Just... <laughs> hey! Perfect. the number yet. This episode brought to you by the Star Wars book by Pablo Hidalgo. <laughs> and, then, and then similarly, then you have 30 years of the New Republic, decline, and then their destruction um, uh, in the form of sort of a military coup. Um, now, the, the thing that I think Americans are most familiar with, in that, and it aligns them in many ways with life in Star Wars, is that you are constantly changing power in this country. Um, you get mm-hmm. four years of Team Red, four years of Team Blue, then you get eight <laughs> of each, and you just go on this roller coaster ride, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, more Bush, Obama, Trump, and now you're going back to Biden. And it's part of American life that like things are going to always change. What, what power mm-hmm. is always going to be in motion, and what is your rights or what are, are your tax rates one year are not going to be the same the next and it's a little chaotic and it wears people out. Like, yeah, I, cool. I believe it was, uh, sorry to interrupt because you said something reminded me. I think it was in um, uh, President Obama's 60 Minutes interview this week. He described the presidency as a temporary occupation of a permanent office. And how, <laughs> yeah. like, every, he's like, everyone here that goes through it that becomes the president, it, it's just a temp job. <laughs> that you go into and it's run by other people and then you leave. Which is crazy. Yeah. And it's like that it's so unique in that way because we always think of it, you're right, as such a powerful thing that really, as you're talking, I realize doesn't have any permanent staying power with the individual. And the amount of I mean, if you were at a job and every four years your boss changed, like that'd be a little disquieting. Awful. I, I went through corporate restructures at least every two years at a job I was at, and it was truly the worst experience of my. So like, that's life. the house, right? Right. That's the house of representatives. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you know, yeah, and I, I think that that quote by Obama is great. The the United States is a nation of laws, not of men, um, and we've currently got one who really wants it to be a nation of men and not laws. 
Um, but he is, uh, I, I'm told he's going to be leaving or, or being escorted out of the building. <laughs> oh, you mean by the, by, the, by the people that he possibly gave COVID to and had to all quarantine from their families because of a car parade? <laughs> yeah, okay. a little bit. Oh, Lord. But, you know, when you watch The Mandalorian, there oh, is, yes, go. <laughs> you, get this, you get this really clear sense, uh, particularly in the most recent episode when The Mandalorian um, is on, what planet was it? Uh, Trask. Yeah, Trask. And you just see like completely normal people doing boating and fishing and their technology is not really that advanced. They're using nets to catch fish. And you go, is this Star Wars? Like people are living in, in completely normal conditions, um, sort of semblant of that of, a, of Tatooine. And it's a reminder that while all the power struggles are going on in the universe, daily life for normal people continues on and they're just caught in the middle. You have the separatists fighting with the Republic for, for independence and you have uh, the Empire and the rebels duking it out in the streets and then you've got the New Republic and the First Order. But most people aren't even involved in this battle. Most people mm-hmm. are not part of the, the big holy war between the Jedi and the Sith. They're simply victims of it. And, and I think look no further mm-hmm. than United States voter registrations and the fact that majorities of Americans uh, still and increasingly consider themselves to be independents uh, and not mm-hmm. Republicans or Democrats. We're all just caught in the middle of a holy war. <laughs> uh, right. That's, that's life in a galaxy far, far away. You're a bystander to other people's, uh, other people's wars. And I think that's an interesting way to phrase it, too, because I think a lot of this this election cycle, again, now now that we're out of the cycle, right, we're in the the resolution, if you will, of what it was. I think a, a lot of it seemed to center around the the ability to have empathy with someone else's concerns. And I think that's where a lot of like the the, the warring factions, if you will. Right. Uh, whether it be Republican, Democrat, uh, Empire, Rebellion, whatever it is. It, it, there are two kind of concrete sides, and all the people in the middle, as you say, the independents or the bystanders or the fishermen, kind of have to decide how can I empathize with these people with whom I'm not actively fighting every single day. And I think that's an interesting way to think about it, too, because I love your example about the Mandalorian with these people that they just want some Beskar because they'll get more money, they can get more chowder or something. Like, and that's kind of their day. And there's a lot of voters that maybe live in places where there aren't a lot of people different than them or a lot of pe- they haven't met a lot of people in different circumstances, whether that be financial, racial, et cetera, that are like, I just want to go through my life. I don't want to hear the noise. And there's, there's a, like a halt. There's an inability to kind of identify someone else's struggle. Um, so when I ask you, do you think this election cycle, with the record voting numbers, the, the record everything, frankly, Do you think that's starting to show the middle being able to empathize a bit with people they don't know? Or what do you think that's about? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. The the increased voter numbers in this year's election yielded really varying results across the country in terms of both who voted for president and then like ballot initiatives and governor's races like North Carolina. North Carolinians elected uh, or reelected their Democratic governor, Roy Cooper, kept their Republican senator, Tom Tillis, booted out. Uh, largely, it looks like they, they're going to eventually um, count the votes up for Biden in that state. And they elected a, a Republican Democratic, um, I'm sorry, a Republican lieutenant governor. So they split the governor's mansion in North Carolina, picked a Republican senator, and also then voted for Biden. 
And you just sort of see, I think, in that example of North Carolina, like most voters are complicated. And the more voters turn out, the more complexity you get in the results. Um, Like California, they struck down the renewal of affirmative action laws uh, in their hiring um, processes in California. And you would think that California would affirm something like that. That just right. seems like a California thing. Yeah, it's traditionally super blue, right? Right. And they didn't. They struck it down by huge margins. And it was because they had the highest voter turnout uh, in the state's history. Uh, and that yielded different uh, opinions brought to the table. And that's kind of what you get is a lot of like what Democrats thought was going to happen if more people voted hasn't happened because it turns out most people don't see things exactly the way they do. Uh, Also, do they know that there's a back to the ballot? I feel like everyone's like, hey, just so you know, all the initiatives are on the back (laughs) after they get you. It's it's um, complicated, and that's kind of what happens when more people are engaged in the system. And it's I try to yeah. always like thinking like Star Wars, right? The 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 problems that persisted within the Republic and the New Republic were very much the same. It was that people did not feel that Coruscant had their best interests at heart, um, and that people uh, that lived out in the outer rim of the galaxy could really be represented by representatives living in the inner rim. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm. And what you have happen in the New Republic is they almost do nothing to bring people into the fold. One of the things that I thought was most interesting in the new uh, in the Star Wars book was they lay out how the the Republic was incredibly, incredibly technocratic and that they had a lot of different like welfare programs and government support and services and the Republic structured trade deals. So it knitted the entire galaxy together. The new Republic took a very decentralized approach and it ended up biting them in the rear too. Like it didn't work for the Republic, but the new Republic did the opposite. They cut their military uh, down dramatically um, with the implementation of what was the, the military, the Military Disarmament Act. Mm. Ooh, what, what page are you on, by the way? I want to follow along. Yeah, no, it's page 162. Excellent. And the Military Disarmaments Act was, was mentioned very much in uh, Bloodline, where mm-hmm. Mon Mothma wanted to get the galaxy back together again for, for cooperative governance, but she didn't want it to be coercive. She didn't want the New Republic to have an army that was like making people feel like they needed to join the New Republic or force would be used against them or force would be levied against them at a later time. And Mon Mothma slashed the military um, down to bare bones against much disagreement. I think from Leia herself did not support the idea of doing that. Um, because it was going to break the galaxy up so much um, that you weren't going to be able to get people to unite into the new Republic. And that's where the first order comes in to offer more stability and exactly what the empire offered order. Well, I think that's also interesting about the new Republic too, because when they started, they had a, they had a mobile capital. I mean, you, in in the empire and the Republic, it's Coruscant. We got Coruscant. That's the planet. It's where the Jedi Temple is. Like you have your religion, your politics, your trade. It all flows through one singular planet. Has for hundreds of years, and then the New Republic. You go from Chandrila for a little bit. We get Hosni and Prime. Obviously, by the time of Episode Seven, which gets destroyed, and that uh, it's interesting because you look at that ability to be 
flexible, right? We usually use that as a good thing, as a, oh, I'm flexible. I can really move around. I'm kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> but without, but politically, I mean, can you imagine, right? If, oh, the uh, Congress is meeting in Washington, D.C. Okay, now they're going to Philadelphia. Next week, they're going to be in Colorado. Like, and, and that's so important, Eric, because when mm-hmm. you think about what people didn't like about the Republic, they really hated the opulence of Coruscant and mm-hmm. the, the high-mindedness, elite nature of the Jedi. Like literally having the Jedi in these spires, it's like it actually evokes like the ivory tower thing people right. use to critique college right. professors. You know, and it's... The, the idea of the New Republic was we're going to move the capital between different member worlds so that people feel like they have a voice and like, oh, so they're not going to be meeting on Chandrilla this uh, this uh, five or 10 years, but they might be on my world the next. And that's when I'm going to be able to really be more involved in that process and feel connected to this thing called the New Republic. You know, uh, it sounds a lot like the Olympics. Exactly what it is. Yeah, that's true. And it it makes it something that moves around. And I think when you think about Washington, D.C., the biggest problem with it and the reason they call it the swamp is like it's where the money goes because that's where government is. That's where Mm -hmm. the Pentagon is. So the military contractors are all up Mm I-66 and I-95 going into Washington, D.C. because that's where they can make money. But imagine if the government was always moving then you couldn't station all of that money in Washington, which holds the richest zip codes in the entire country. But it wouldn't be that way if you didn't have these ivory halls that just attracted all the money and power. Right. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because I want to talk a bit about, um, I want to use that as a transfer to talk about Naboo for a second, because Naboo, I think is one of the more, is one of the more fascinating planets uh the, the more years we get out of star wars the more i'm fascinated by the planet oh, naboo wow. not just because padme is on padme is on my shirt right now of course but um naboo is kind of pitched to us as this idyllic planet it's it's gorgeous there are beaches it's always sunny i've never seen it rain on naboo in a book or a movie it, everyone is happy it's all about art it's all about commerce and there's a lot of ivory towers like there's a lot of traditional buildings um yet it seems that there's a lot of faith in the democratic process of electing queens which again is the interesting (laughs) combination of of the monarchy and democracy but i i i want to ask you like what do you think naboo means to us now as a place that that heralds tradition so much yet also tries to be this like really progressive planet. Do you think if we looked at Naboo 200, 300 years post prequels or so, are they still upholding those traditions or are they starting to realize we're just voting for a monarchy that is still living in these ivory towers um, while we're kind of not part of it? Yeah, I know that that's a really interesting question. And I think after listening to it for a couple of seconds, like I'm like, oh, I get it. So like well, the difference is the 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 thing with Naboo is their entire monarchy is based on a public service model that really is not tied um, to, you know, family rule one generation over the next. Like kids like Padme go through these like public service training programs, uh, the academy, uh, where they actually are preparing for government their entire lives. Now, to the best of my knowledge, um, it is confined in many ways to like elite families within Naboo's mm-hmm. sort of hierarchy. But Naboo has a culture where they do view 
public service as like this actual common good. Um, and you end up doing, you know, being part of the monarchy and then you're not. Like you, you serve a term like a normal president and then you leave. Um, that is something that I think we don't have a feeling about, like a, a strong sense of in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, a real deep skepticism of anybody who's involved in politics. Like we just sort of believe that if you're involved in politics, um, and <laughs> that you generally are out for yourself and you're trying to enrich yourself, make yourself powerful, or you're trying to get on television, like mm-hmm. that that's what your motives are. And that's something that is bad about our political discourse and our culture mm-hmm. is we're just cynical about it. And Naboo are just idealists, uh, I think, uh, yeah, to the highest I- order. And I love that because, you know, we, we've talked on this show before about the, the idea that their highest political office goes to t- young teenage women or young teenagers. And the, the fact that once you're past, you know, 18, you can no longer rule a planet. Yes. So you, yeah. you, by definition, you can't end your career as like the high politician, which I think we're seeing now with we're the old we went from president obama being one of the youngest presidents in history to now trump and then biden being some of the older ones mm-hmm. um we're seeing this older generation seems to kind of like want to climb 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 to eventually get to president and then you're kind of done and they we're, and naboo they they honor the idea of young people being public leaders right and it's something it's something that i write about in I finished this chapter for the book so far oh, for how the force can fix the world. It's, it's my chapter on humility. And the entire chapter on humility looks at Naboo's monarchy and Padme as an example of what you want in a leader. And it's that they don't believe at all times that they know what is right to do. They don't have ideology. Right. They have ears to listen, eyes to see, and they make decisions based off what is in front of them and what people around them are telling them. But Padme doesn't enter the monarchy with an ideology about how Naboo needs to be run or, or exactly what Naboo's place in the world needs to be. I think she, she has some pretty strong ideas about reopening Naboo to trade. Mm-hmm. Um, like she, wa- she was upset that her, her predecessor... Um, closed off Naboo to trade with outside worlds, and she wanted to reintroduce Naboo to the sector. But for the most part, like what makes Padme an effective ruler is she's surrounded by advisors. And in the case of Naboo's royalty, the advisors are actually listened to. You actually listen to what these experts tell you, and then you make decisions based off facts. Imagine that. (laughs) That's just just something that we don't get a lot of. We're very steeped in ideology. And it's it's for a lot of reasons, but it's definitely not not because of age. I mean, older people are set in their ways. They view the world a certain way, but a 14-year-old doesn't. And there's something to be said for that. Now, you can sink your claws into that kind of person. You can manipulate that kind of person, I think, more easily. Mm-hmm. But Padme has an inner circle that she trusts, and I think they served her very well. And we, we, certainly, we certainly see that sort of uh, dichotomy a little bit between Padme and Anakin uh, in, in Attack of the Clones, right? Because Anakin, yeah, Anakin's, right. Uh, you know, he was around the Republic for the majority ah. of his— sorry, my dog's being kind of crazy. He was around the Republic for the majority of his, uh, his life so far. Um, and then Padme has also been around her form of government all this time. And this is still, she's still pretty new to the whole Senator thing where she, which she, 
finds to be quite frustrating, as we see in the most recent Padme book. But we sort of see that of like Anakin's like, well, they should just have to get together in a room and make decisions about things. And that seems like such a foreign concept to him. And Padme's like, well, that's like that's like what we have, but it doesn't work at all. Um, yeah. Which I love, too, because, I mean, it, there there is that moment, I feel like, for every person when you're when you're learning about politics or when you're you're questioning the political system where you're like this thing should just happen and you find out that it does and it doesn't work and then you're like oh well then what and i think that's yeah. that's kind of where, where it should be made to yeah, yeah. Should be made, and I, you know this is this is why i am i am personally looking at the way uh Congress works. And I remember in, it was in the early 2000s when there was this big push against uh, earmarking in congressional budgets, where congressional budgets would be negotiated between Republicans and Democrats every year and with the whoever was president. And each side would go through an earmarking process where they would go, okay, well, I will vote for this budget if you allocate uh, X million dollars to my home district mm-hmm. uh, so we can build a, a new bridge or a new highway system or we can build some museum, right? This was, this was called like pork barrel spending where people would get write-offs basically in the budget to benefit their district. Right. And it's been banned. They banned it like 15, 20 years ago, I can't remember exactly when, but earmarking has been banned as a a way to eliminate corruption. And a budget has never worked since. And that's something that you have to think about when it comes to like good intentions and also just what politics is really about. Politics is about getting what you need and getting what your constituents need. And earmarks was how you did that. (laughs) But but very high-minded people who viewed that as like a corrupt process Mm -hmm. wanted to get rid of it. And now it doesn't work do you, anymore. It's, it's do you think that that's, yeah, do you think that that's sort of kind of that, that idealistic sort of attitude that, that is so prevalent on Naboo that we see? Like we talked a little bit about this last time we had you on, Stephen, about like uh, I think I made some comments about how we need a little more idealism in, in politics and like that. And you had, a, you had a little bit of retort for me. I can't remember exactly what you said, but you were talking about like, well, there are disadvantages to that. And this kind of seems to me like maybe an example of that, right, of like where – where this difference of you know how it should work versus how it does work, and then the unintended unintended consequences of that, how it all comes together. Like, do you think that's kind of the result of that? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. Um, the way the reason that we have the government we do is because the founders, the framers, uh, were incredibly skeptical of the the inherent virtues of human nature. They did not believe that people were good naturally. Like they believed that they had to be restrained uh, in many ways in order to have a government that protects uh, people's natural rights. Now, the United States government did not do a good job of that up until at least 1964. And now we are like starting completely fresh um, as a republic, in my opinion. We're like actually giving it a real try. Um, But Yeah, I mean, like the reason that our government has so many hurdles is because they were put there to stop people from leveraging what they think are like good intentions for everybody. And Star Wars is about the struggle of people versus their good intentions. Um, It's everything that Anakin falls uh, victim to is just believing that like, oh, like I have a version of like how what the world could be better and how things could be more clean and and, and non-corrupt and 
you know, he implements a lot of different visions for changing the galaxy, and it usually involves a body yeah. count. Like you have to get people mm-hmm. out of the way to make things work the way you want to, and that's that's just the way it is in a galaxy far, far away. But it's a lesson that I, I try to incorporate into my own worldview all the time, which is good intentions do not necessarily make good policy or good right. politics. Right. Well, yeah, and, and it leads me to one to one more big thought I want I want to hit here. Um, is that it, it, on this eve of 2021, on this eve of this new cycle of, of politicians that have been hired, of, of incumbents that are coming back, of, of new people that are going into the halls for the first time, we, we still see these trends of people that are voting for the person rather than policy quite a lot. Like We seem to have fetishized the positions of power in the United States, especially of like, Oh, where they're a representative, or they're a president, and you support the person. It's the name on the poster. It's the name on the flag. It's 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 the party they represent, and things like that. Even in places where you we look and like, oh, this policy actually hurts this area. Like like Stephen, you're talking about people that wanted to get the bridge in their county, and that's why they earmarked. And now it seems like that's gone. So people can actually do policies that hurt their constituents, but th- because they've elevated themselves to such a ce- celebrity status, mm-hmm. people ignore it. And, and it, it reminds me a little bit of kind of how Palpatine is talked about in some of those Outer Rim worlds of people that don't know necessarily what's going on in the, the core worlds or know the corruption of him. But because he's pitched as this celebrity figure, they're like, oh, but he's the emperor. You know, we yeah. we obey and he's still cool and we can still support the Empire, even if it may be against our best interest. And yeah. looking ahead, like you say, we're at this dawn of this new Republic era of this new stage in in our kind of cultural evolution. Do you think there is there is a, 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 a avenue, not a chance, because that that feels almost a little just too sad to say. Do you think there is actually an avenue that we can go down to kind of lessen the celebrity of politics of just like once you're in office, you're cool to actually focusing more on advancing the best policy for each individual person term limits all right there yes term limits great all right everyone that was it uh- you know that's that's the end of the show everybody you know yeah i mean the the, the problem with with the republic uh and it, it ended up uh being what's called now the high republic era um mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna learn about this in some of the upcoming books that y'all are going to be reading and reviewing but the High Republic era didn't necessarily mean it was the uh, the best times in the Republic. It was the peak of Repu- uh, of the Republic's opulence. And opulence is not usually used in like a good context when you're talking about government. Um, right. It was the peak of its uh, bureaucracy, its stagnation. And when you are at the peak, that's when the decline begins. You can only go down from there. The High Republic yeah. is when it never gets any better, only worse. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and, and this comes about because just the, the Republic becomes so complacent after, you know, thousand years of, of sort of peace and prosperity and, and markets and flourishing. Um, it, it reaches an end. And I think what we've got going on this is not like a perfect analogy here, but like you mentioned like celebrity in politics is you can just make like an entire life in Washington, DC and hardly ever have to go back and visit your people. Um, And it has, it has created a system in which the person has benefited more by staying in Washington, going on MSNBC and Fox news and doing cable hits all day 
um, and then pretending to go and legislate and, and debate other uh, lawmakers when in reality you're speaking to an empty room on C-SPAN and just cutting video for your next ad. Like we've just created this entire system in Washington DC where they don't actually have to come home and deliver anything. And it's, it's again, like those good intentions, it's getting rid of earmarking so that they're not forced to cut deals and make tough decisions about budgets. It is C-SPAN, I hate C-SPAN. Transparency has not been good for our democracy. Putting a video camera in the Senate and, and House chambers and recording and filming and televising all of the proceedings turns everybody into showboats. Like you can, right. you can look at the numbers of speeches that uh, um, um, senators have given on the floor of the Senate uh, and how it has changed from now since 1980. And it has just soared. And it's not because they are actually speaking to their colleagues. It's because they will find time to go on the Senate floor and speak to an empty room so that they can have video footage for their campaign advertisements um, showing like, here's me on the Senate floor schooling everybody on the Constitution. <laughs> but it's Logical not. Facts. And, and we've, yeah, we've I mean, allowed hey, that, this exactly... to happen in the name of transparency. Yeah. And it's, it's actually not working. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean that's exactly why we started this video show. That's I mean, right. to be honest, mm -hmm. it was just for the coming an exposure. But that that's a great, that's an interesting point because if you, if everything you're doing, and this isn't a oh things were so much better in the '60s. Like I love living in the 2020s to 2010s. Don't, like, Maybe not 2020 specifically. Be, that's true. 2010s were 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 pretty solid. <laughs> um, but like the idea that what you what you did could only be shown by the actions and the the laws that were signed and the actual articles that came out does i guess put more of an impetus on the action now accountability is great like getting those speeches of people standing up to people in power standing up to harassment like obviously is great and we we don't want to lose that but you're right if we if we want that if we want the people they're going to call people out on their despicable behavior in the light then we also have to admit that that light exists for people to promote themselves yep. as figures and i think that there's got to be a medium and you're and you and you nailed it with term limits i mean you think back to episode two which i didn't wear this shirt because i thought we'd talk about, talk about episode two quite a lot but damn it works <laughs> um like that time when when anakin's like i heard they tried to amend the constitution so you could rule another term and padme's like no yeah. i i would be of more use to my people as a senator yeah. and and what a concept mm -hmm. to have and to think that you know, there are people going into office now that may think that, that, that hopefully like the, like the, the younger politicians all seem to be, you know, they, they do more speeches on the policy and about tearing it down. And a lot of young voters, when you talk to them, they're like, well, nothing will change. That's why I don't vote. And I feel like that can slowly be eroded away if we get more people like Padme in that are like, I go where I am needed because I am needed. Mm -hmm. And I really think that there, there is a light to that. There's a light at that tunnel yeah. that is starting to sparkle. It certainly, just it certainly a seems bit. like there is a little bit of hope in that regard. But Stephen, do do you think it's it's possible to come back from this power vacuum that we have? Like we to circle back around on the original questions that mm -hmm. Eric was talking about, like 
um, about regime change, right? Is it does it take a regime change to see really powerful change like that in in human history? I don't have an optimistic view of human nature, and I tend to think that we only do things when our backs are up against the wall and we have nowhere left to go. Um, we have created a system, both financial uh, and political, um, and you could even you could even say like 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 for instance like with media, right? Like having like capitalism infused with mass media has been a huge mistake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like we're like it's certainly new, not capitalism. Not, not our best choice. Financial <laughs> yeah. incentives are tied right. together. Awful idea. I, I think things are going to have to get really bad before they get better. And I know things have felt yeah. really bad for four years, but uh, it's always worth remembering. They could be way worse. Um, so, yeah. you know, any, any, any brief, any brief look at the, at the, the fallen empires of humans past can certainly uh, alleviate <laughs> the, yeah. the concern that it could be much and, worse. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's also a nice, I uh, thing I try to remember there where, you know, and, and to liken it back to Star Wars as well, right? We have seen scenes in movies, films, uh, which is the same thing, ew, uh, books, comics, TV shows, of different amounts of tragedy, right? Hosnian Prime blowing up was an absolute tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi dying was a tragedy, right. even though it's one person versus a billion. And I think as we look ahead to this new this new era of, of, of the country, which it will be, every, every new presidency and every new kind of... Um, policy era does change a lot of stuff that if you are listening to this and you're feeling anger or relief or whatever it is there is validity to that and i think Mm -hmm. that looking ahead even though it may not be the worst it's ever been if you are breathing a sigh of relief because of the last four years are now over and there is now a person that sees you no matter your race gender identity whatever it may be that's that's great and whatever little sparks of hope we can have right like the spark that will light the fire that will that will light the candle to light the room in the hallway or whatever they say in episode eight. Um, I think it's very valuable. And I think that's that's the the spirit going forward, yeah. I think, is interesting in both U.S. politics and Star Wars media. I think we're seeing a lot of hope narratives. And I hope that that really drives a lot of people in this generation, both consuming this media voting for leaders is that you vote with hope and the ability to breathe and not think about it every day Mm -hmm. you know the ability to enjoy things and i think that's a a bright future we can all agree on yeah and i I think when election day when the election results actually were kind of coming in and they were calling um the race for biden uh, last weekend um, I saw a lot of Star Wars Twitter using like gifts from Return of the Jedi, the Ewok yeah. celebration, <laughs> the, the yeah. fireworks and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, one of the big sore spots for a lot of Star Wars fans with the idea of having a sequel trilogy was that that wasn't a happy ending. It was yeah. it was it was just a pause before more trauma yeah. and horror and, and death of our favorite characters yeah. and all this stuff. It was just a moment in time where things were good. Um, so, you know, uh, take a moment to breathe, but the fight continues. That's right. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the first order, yeah, when the empire falls, the first order is just ready and waiting to uh, <laughs> step up and fill that void. And, you know, I, I was talking earlier about mixed election results and how like, you know, the, the Democrats won the white house, but they lost a lot of ballot initiatives and in other races down, down ballot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Trumpism is, is alive and well. 
And there's, yep. there's going there are white supremacists on Exegol. There's, there's going to be an so. inheritor to his his politics, and they're going to run in 2024. And yeah. y'all, Trump Trump had like very radical politics for for a Republican, but now his politics are going to be channeled through someone who actually can speak probably normally. <laughs> right. I can't, I can't give me, give me two years before we have that talk. I know. <laughs> tell you what. I can't get ready for, I don't Trumpism, have enough white claw for that. Palpatine's silver tongue. And that's, and that's right. kind of dangerous. And so, yeah, just rest and then, and then get involved and get back in the fight yep. um, and encourage your, your lawmakers to actually lawmake, <laughs> to legislate, mm-hmm. uh, to meet yeah. with people and to, to strike deals and make government work because uh, stagnation um, and decline is currently, I think, what we all feel like we're experiencing in very much the high republic fashion. Um, and when you get enough stagnation and decline, you eventually get people crying out for somebody, anybody, a Palpatine to fix it. And right. we need to avoid yep. that. Absolutely. That is Every single we, time that has ever happened in human history, it has it has resulted in catastrophe. And it has it does both in Star Wars, it does in real life. And I think that's one of the things that we can truly appreciate about Star Wars is like that universe is so large and fantastical. It's it truly is a reflection of our own ideology and opinions and fears and hopes and like Mm -hmm. everything that we see happening in these films and in these books is certainly able to play out on on screen uh, like in real life right so uh, i think that is a a very eloquent way to put it is is the trumpism plus the silver tongue is a is a very dangerous ideology and and unfortunately Mm -hmm. it it looks like a a very large very very large number of, of people have identified with with trumpism as the republican party which is certainly a a dangerous way to move forward and mm-hmm. um, yeah and i guess like and and to kind of um to, to close that out because we are we are gloriously running a little long which is great i mean it, i i could talk to steven i could talk to you for four hours um let's be clear uh <laughs> let's be clear yeah, la, la, uh, let me be clear. Um, I don't like doing that. That wasn't great. But, but um, the the ideas of, of Trumpism, I guess we never said them officially. If you haven't gotten them by now, do not mesh with this podcast. Do not mesh with anything that we try to put forward. Do not mesh with what Star Wars puts forward. Um, but we think that, like Stephen, like you're saying, there is a lot of good in the world. There is there is good for people that want to make change and take your breath Take a lap uh, and then get right back to work and listen to people that know what they're talking yes. about. Listen to experts. Like, hey, listen to Beltway Banthas. And Stephen, come next Christmas. Remind me what every single listener is going to be uh, pre-ordering to put in the stockings of all their political allies and foes. How the force can fix the world. And uh, you can stay up to date on it by going over to politicizeme.substack.com. Uh, and I'll be posting more about it there. Fan freaking tastic! All right, we're gonna do a couple of housekeeping things uh, here before we say goodbye to Steven because I want to keep him on the Zoom call as long as I can. Wes, uh, tell us what's going on this week in Utini Game Night, please. So Utini Game Night, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you are a patron yesterday, and if you are, uh, if you received the feed on Friday, I hope you loved the stream on Wednesday because <coughs> Andrew is going to be playing Squadrons along with Eric. Eric is going to join him, and apparently they're going to have a trivia contest. So 
Um, I hope uh, I hope Andrew beat you, Eric, um, in your face. And um, <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> Utini game nights are happening on Wednesdays and Fridays, and there will be some times where we'll just throw it up there on the weekend whenever somebody has time. So um, we pick a Star Wars game, whether it be a new game, an old game. Um, I'm thinking about doing some streams with uh, Super Nintendo games coming up pretty soon. Woo-hoo! So um, uh, it's it's great time. You can catch the, the replays on YouTube. And um, big the big ones we got going now are Battlefront, Squadrons, and Jedi Fallen Order. Absolutely. Uh, and with the Lego Star Wars coming out soon, uh, there'll be definitely some of that. And if you, if you want to keep up to date on all those, we're going to keep you abreast as we can on this show. But just uh, subscribe on Twitch to utini underscore us uh you'll get email alerts if you're in gmail it's in your promotions folder just so you know <laughs> uh when we go live uh, every thursday the legends look back crew jared freddie and meg are going live every thursday talking about some great legends content uh i'm sure they'll be talking some star wars insider in march um but every, every week they're talking about some awesome legend stuff there the conjure book club is still going every saturday talking about kenobi just in your regular book club format December is going to be their Age of Republic comic series, and of course, January, Light of the Jedi. And if you want to get a head start on that, read the first eight chapters. You're ahead in Kanji Book Club. <laughs> oh, and on our Patreon, of course, we just released today, as of this live show, our latest bounty hunt on the Mandalorian episode, which may have been, not to brag, our best bounty hunt episode ever, which I believe we are releasing for free to everyone. Is that, that correct? That is correct. We, we, just gotta, we just gotta do it. Just gotta put it out there. All right. So if you're listening to this on the main feed... Listen to our last Bounty Hunt episode for absolutely free. We do hope it entices you to join our Patreon if you haven't to get a little sample. Uh, but we couldn't stop talking about last about the Eris episode of The Mandalorian for obvious reasons. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Charlie and I are still going through Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels on the Ghost Crew. We had a little hiatus with uh, life events, but we are back doing that. And Meg and Heather are rocking it with the new Cat Faves show of absolute chaos and hilarity. So plenty of stuff at Patreon to keep you hopefully happy. And in December, I Jedi Reading Hour with Corey Helton. But, <laughs> my friends, on the notes of fun, on the notes of hope, on the notes of a country that looks a little more like we want it to, that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. Thank you so much to Stephen Kent of Beltway Banthas for joining us. If you're already supporting us over on Patreon, head over to Discord right now to join our Aftermath After Show to hang out for our after party. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council, Kyle Hickman, Freddie C., Elizabeth Coutier, and Sally and Chris Eilerson in our Alliance High Command for their amazing support of this show and all things Utini. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is not here, but he's at C. Hankel. And Wes is at Boss Wes. Um, Steven, where can they find you? I am always on the Twitter at Stephen underscore Kent 89. That's Stephen with a PH underscore Kent 89 and at Beltway Banthas. And my weekly newsletter, which is essays on the politics of Star Wars or themes from pop culture that I think you should be looking at, is politicizeme.substack.com. Brilliant. A special thank you to Stephen for coming on the show. And of course to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, Wes, our producer, community manager, and co-host. And a final thank you to Corey, to Wes, to Stephen for podcasting with me. Thank you to all of you for watching tonight, for listening later. And as always, may the force be with you. 
no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.